the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to SoCal Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. It's great to be with you on this fine Monday afternoon right here in Southern California. Fact check, a claim. This is a ferocious fact click. Fact, fact check, claim, red delicious apples. Rating half true. They are, in fact, red. That's something I realized over the weekend. I don't know if you agree, but I think that's that's the case, and I wanted to pass that on to you. Welcome to our show. You can give me a call today at 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. That's the number if you want to join the conversation, 888-LA-TALKS. You can also email the show at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. We have a lot to talk about today, and we got two hours to do it, to have the conversation. Should the government pay off our debts? We're going to get to that here in just a few minutes, talking about the student loan uh, crisis, and we're going to talk about the Supremes. The Supreme Court today voted nine to nothing in great support of religious liberty for a Christian group who wanted to fly the Christian flag like all the other groups at Boston City Hall, and we'll get to that today as well and lots of other subjects. And, of course, your calls. The number is 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557, la talks All right, we're live in Southern California every day from 3 to 5. We're Glad to be with you, and uh, here we go. I got my coffee. I'm ready, if you can tell. I hope that whatever you are doing right now, you're doing um, well, and that you you listen to this conversation we're going to have here. You know, the cover story of the brand new issue that I just got this weekend of Christianity Today, it's about pastors who are emptied out and what to do about it. And it's a continual problem, right, of, of pastors who are leaving churches and lots of different problems that has been accelerated for the past couple of years with the pandemic. And I'm not really going to go through that article so much, but what I really want to do is tell you about an opportunity you have to encourage your, your pastor, to encourage your church staff. And it's not just pastors. It's people who are first responders, people who have, especially over the past couple of years, really had it rough uh, because of the COVID and other things changing in the culture. And you know what? Something that we're able to do on our program is support the great mission that we have as the church together. You know, it's the greatest endeavor in the history of mankind to make disciples of Jesus Christ. That's the greatest honor to be a part of. And we together get to be a part of that here at KKLA. And our special guest this hour is Terry Fay. He is the vice president and general manager of KKLA. Terry, welcome to Southern California Live. Thank you, Scott. Good to be here. Terry, it's great to have you with us today, and thanks for coming on. Let's start this way. Terry, you're the vice president and general manager of KKLA. How long have you been with KKLA? 37 years. 37 years. That's fantastic. That's amazing. Terry, what's the mission of KKLA as far as how you see it in all this time? Well, it's kind of what you talked about, Scott. Um, It's all about discipleship, and discipleship comes in many forms, but the primary uh, vehicle for discipleship is the church, the local church. And our mission at KKLA is to come alongside pastors and the local church to help disciple the people in the church. And so whether we're doing uh, Bible teaching programs, which we do a lot of, or what we're doing even with your show here um, with Southern California Live, we want to keep 
our listeners informed about what's going on, and that is also a form of discipleship. As they interact with people, they can speak intelligently about the issues of the day from a Christian and biblical perspective. So our mission um, is the same as it was back in 1985 when we started the station, which was to proclaim the gospel, uh, featuring some of the best communicators of the gospel. And uh, many of these programs, um, as our listeners will know, um, have been listening to them all that time, whether it's J. Vernon McGee, whether it's John MacArthur, whether it's Chuck Swindoll. Uh, a lot of these programs have been with us for the duration, and uh, it shows the power of God's Word, the enduring power of God's Word. It doesn't go out of date. And uh, so that's our mission. Our mission is to be be disciplers coming alongside uh, the, the local church. You know, there are a lot of opportunities. Something I like about radio is that we're we're not a church, but you actually told me once that somebody told you that we're like Switzerland. We can <laughs> kind of be— you know, this place where we can really help people as a part of the greater church go into their churches and be encouraged and be disciple makers and stay focused on the gospel. And that's a great thing that our station does. Amen. That's that's our that's our goal. That's our that's our um, challenge. And it's our occupation, our vocation every day to do that. Yeah, I, I mentioned that Christianity Today's cover story right now is pastors who are emptied out. And, you know, something that we can do here on this program is really encourage pastors. How do you see pastors uh, as a part of the greater KKLA ministry, our local pastors? Well, I've often said um, that if there is no local church, there is no KKLA. Mm -hmm. And if there are no pastors, there are no churches. So our goal is to do whatever we can to encourage them in the work of the ministry. And as you said from this Christianity Today article, uh, it's been tough going. It's been tough going for pastors, especially the last few years. They lost a lot of people, and um, we want to come alongside them uh, in a variety of ways. One of the things we've been doing for just a little over a year now is we have this thing called Thankful Thursday, and our listeners have been nominating uh, their church pastor and staff to have KKLA come and bring a catered lunch to them. And so we've done that for the last uh, probably 55, 56 weeks um, identifying different churches. And um, through our partner uh, sponsor, which is American Christian Credit Union, we've actually been able to provide some financial assistance, a gift, if you will, to some of these pastors. And so whatever we can do to be an encouragement to them, that's what we want to do. And Thankful Thursday is one example of that. You know, if you're listening and you're thinking, that's a great idea, I'd love to thank my pastor. Just go to kkla.com and look for the banner that says Thankful Thursdays. It's kkla.com. And uh, check it out. Nominate your pastor. I've seen the pictures of the pastors and staff that are on the KKLA Facebook. And I can tell you, it's super encouraging just to be thought of um, and do that. Do that for your pastor. That's a great way that we can get together on our station here and and support each other. There's another great event coming up next week, uh, the Pastors Appreciation Breakfast. Would you tell us about that? Sure. This is something that we started over 20 years ago. And it's a way to bring pastors in, um, inspire them, encourage them. And it's a uh, breakfast that's for free. And we we try to put on a good program for them. Uh, This year, we're going to have Pastor Alan Jackson uh, from World Outreach Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Uh, Alan has been on the air with us for about a year and a half he has a daily program at 1.30 p.m. But we ran across Alan um, just just not too long ago, a couple years ago, and he really resonated with us. He has a passion for the gospel. He has a passion for the church, not just for his church, which is a 
which is one of those mega churches in Tennessee, but he really has an you know a passion to encourage pastors. And um, so we're delighted to have Alan come, and he's going to address our pastors and give them some encouragement. That's going to be on Thursday, May 12th. It's at the Hyatt Regency in Orange County. And uh, what are some other things that are going to happen? This year, the Pastors Appreciation Breakfast is also for first responders in uh, L.A.'s version of it. Uh, so people can invite their pastors, church leaders, church administration, first responders. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, we're we're doing a special outreach to firefighters and to policemen in particular, but also medical people. Uh, as you guys all know, we have been under this um, real big challenge with the pandemic, and it's uh, caused everyone to stretch, whether it's pastors or whether it's uh, medical people or whether it's firefighters or whether it's police. It stretched us all. So we decided to uh, broaden the tent, if you will, this year and invite them to come. So we've got the L.A. County Assistant Sheriff Francisco coming, along with Officer Joseph Dion, who's an officer that his beat is Skid Row and just does a phenomenal ministry there on Skid Row. And so we're going to have him and uh, several other people. But our goal here is to really encourage these people in the ministry that God's called them to. And of course, we're all called to ministry, aren't we, Scott? Not just right. if you're not just if you're a, a pastor, but actually if you're called of Jesus to be a disciple, you are in ministry. And we all have our mission field that God's called us to work. And for these first uh, responders, they are in the front lines of this uh, mission field in many ways, reaching people at a crisis time. And as we know, God often uses crises to bring him bring us to himself. There are so many different reasons why the timing of this is also great, just coming out of the pandemic and everybody is hurting quite a bit. You know, I'm new to the company, but I'm not new to these events. I've been going for years to these events. And I'll tell you, you know, sometimes as a pastor, you think, uh, do I really want to go to that? It's part of my day. Um, and first of all, yes, you do. There's free breakfast. That usually gets me there alone. <laughs> uh, that's fantastic. And I know that's true for a lot of pastors. But I always leave refreshed and encouraged. I go to connect with other pastors because you get to see that you are not alone on this mission and you have so much in common. But you also come back encouraged and often with some new ministry ideas because you learn about other ministries. You you talk with each other. You see people who share what they're doing at their church or in a particular ministry that they have. This is a great event for you to go to as a pastor or for you to make sure your pastor knows about and attends in your church. Um, and the same is true for first responders. I'm bringing um, a police chaplain who is so encouraged. And what he said, Terry, was he thinks that some of the officers who are going are just going to be glad to be acknowledged, mm-hmm. uh, that it's so meaningful that we would take this step. And I think that's a big part of our ministry together as we get to encourage people in the name of Christ. Yeah, and many of these first responders have taken a beating through COVID. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm not talking about so much what happened in COVID, but what happened in the media. Yes. Um, I mean, a lot of these people that are literally sacrificing their lives have been criticized, and they've been downsized, and they've been defunded. And we want to come alongside them and say, we believe that you have a ministry in our community, and God has commanded us to pray for those in authority. And those in, those in authority come in a lot of different stripes, from police to firefighters to doctors or whoever. And so we want to come alongside them and say, we appreciate what you do. 
And so that's that's part of it. And, you know, when you talk about resources, you can, you've come away from some of these resources. And I'm just going to tell you a couple of things that are going to be presented at our uh, breakfast. One is a ministry out of Focus on the Family called the Focus Pastor. And what this is is a series of resources to encourage pastors in not only in their ministry, but also in their marriages. And so there's a variety of, and it's all free, all free tools for them. Uh, we also have an, um, a ministry actually out of our corporate office with Salem Media Group called HelloPastors.com. And there's a variety of resources we're going to be highlighting there as well. And then many of you are familiar with Alistair Begg and his ministry, Truth for Life. Well, he has a, um, a whole series of resources that he's just published called The Basics of Pastoral Ministry. And we're going to be talking about that as well. So not only do you get your uh, body fed, but you're also going to get your spirit fed. And you're going to be, your mind's going to be fed with these, some of these resources. So we want you to be as effective as God has called you to be in your ministry. And part of it is just getting some tools. And uh, our, our passion and commitment has always been to provide these resources at no cost to pastors. And that's part of what we feel our goal, our passion is, and our ministry. It is so encouraging to do that. And, um, you know, if you want to sign up for this and you're listening and you're saying, I fit with that, uh, go to kkla.com, click on the banner. It's right on the front page and you can sign up. It's free. Once again, you get free breakfast. You get a special message from Pastor Alan Jackson and uh, there's free worship time. There's so much. It's such a positive thing. It begins at uh, 8.30 a.m. The doors open at 8.30 a.m. It's at nine o'clock in the morning. It will start. It's at the Orange County uh, the Hyatt Regency of Orange County, which is a great hotel, by the way, just down, just off the five down the freeway from uh, down the street from Disneyland. Um, I've stayed there a couple of times, actually. Great place. And I look forward to being there with you. Terry, is there anything else that you would add um, for people to know about this event? Well, the last time we did an event down in Orange County, and it's been a couple of years, uh, we, we actually um, stopped at our 20th anniversary or our 20th annual pastor appreciation breakfast. And that got, you know, delayed way late, I should say for the last two years. But the last time we were in Orange County, I said, welcome to the happiest place on earth. And everybody kind of laughed because we're, you know, right down the street from Disneyland. I said, no, it's not that it's the people of God coming together and encouraging each other. And so I want you to take that with you as you think about coming, that this is going to be a time of joy and a time of refreshing. That's hilarious. It is the happiest place on earth, and you're going to have a good time. In fact, I'm, re- I'm remembering, I no longer qualify as an employee, but a few years ago, I actually won a prize. I won a uh, weekend away. Mm. Uh, so there's some, you never know what's going to happen to you at uh, these events, and you, you laugh, you enjoy the fellowship. I really want to encourage you to go if you are a pastor or you work at a church or you are uh, a first responder. And something else, I know that for most of you listening, maybe you're not working at a church, you're not a first responder, but I know that you know them. And would you do something for me right now? If you're sitting at your desk and your computer, don't do this while you're driving, but maybe you tell Siri to remind you or you, you remind yourself whenever you're not driving. Go to kkla.com, grab, just click on the banner, and then you can grab the link and forward it on to your pastor or your church staff person you know, your first responder friend, and invite them to go. They can just click on that link and go. And if you go to KKLA's Facebook page, the link is right on there. Also, just scroll down till you find the pastor's event. And you can forward that. Put it on your Facebook. That's another great way to let people know and just let it go viral out there and say, hey, this is an encouraging time um, for your pastor, for your first responder, your church staff. Put that on there. It's Thursday, May 12th, 
at the Hyatt Regency of Orange County, 8.30, doors open, 9 a.m. Um, is when the event starts, so you want to be there for that. Terry Fay, the general manager, vice president and general manager of KKLA, is with us today. Terry, thank you so much for being on Southern California Live and for all you do at KKLA. Thank you, Scott. One other thing I forgot to say, and this actually will be the highlight. I understand you're going to do some stand-up comedy for us. <laughs> See, I told people, I told you it would be, you know, that's, that's like one of those secret amazing things that happens. I'm going to have to work it out. It's been a while since I've been in that uh, routine, you know. How many Bob Dole jokes can I do today? I don't know. Anyway, uh, yep, I'm going to do something. So I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. So I look forward to meeting you all, actually. Uh, at this event. So go to KKLA.com, go to the KKLA Facebook, find the banner, send it to somebody who you know would love to be encouraged and invite them to go. Do that right now while you're thinking about it before you forget. Terry, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Scott. All right. That is the Pastor's Appreciation Breakfast. It's coming up on May 12th in Los Angeles at the Orange County. It's actually going to be held in Orange County, but it's for all the LA counties. The Hyatt Regency of Orange County, 8.30 a.m., doors open, 9 a.m. It starts, and uh, if you're listening and you're in San Diego, the event is, there will also be the same event in San Diego. It's Wednesday, May 11th, the day before, so go to kprz.com and click on the banner and do all of the same things for the San Diego version of this event. I'll tell you that this is something that is just great. I joke about the pastors wanting the free breakfast, but we do. You, you, know, you leave full, but you also leave refreshed. And pastors, if you're listening, you know what? I know you're busy. I get it. I'm that guy. And you're saying, oh, I got to go to this thing. You know, think of it as a break, a morning conference that you get to go. You get a great breakfast, a great speaker, and you're going to get to know people and you're going to leave with some clarity of mind, some renewal for the day. And more than that, you're going to have a, a greater vision for the ministry that God called you to, to our town. And you're going to know that you're not by yourself. You're supported. You're supported by all those other people there. You're supported by this station. And uh, we thank you, and we appreciate everything that you do. So would you do that? Go to kkla.com. Go to KKLA on Facebook and uh, click the Like button. That way you can always stay uh, up to date. There's lots of great things that people put on there. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. You can join our conversation and make comments at 888-528-2557. If you have any thoughts about this, 888-528-2557. I mentioned that uh, Christianity Today has that right on their, their cover, you know. And there's been all kinds of about pastors who feel emptied out. That's the term that they use. They say tens of thousands of pastors want to quit, but haven't quit. Uh, but what is going on? And there's some interesting things in the article um, about that. It's a, you know, I'm speaking as somebody, int- you know, incidentally, who is changing a bit. Now, when I came to KKLA recently, and I'm, I'm finishing up at First Baptist Church of San Diego after 18 years of ministry there and about 25 years in full-time pastoral ministry, um, you know, when I come to KKLA and this ministry, it doesn't feel like I'm leaving ministry or changing my careers. It seems like this is just another step and another opportunity. And something that I've been passionate about is bringing people together. And you bless me every day, you the listener, you you who call up and you share your thoughts. And uh, you sometimes you argue with me, sometimes you're right on, sometimes we have some great, you know, last week you helped me clean my house. And I appreciate that. It, it helps my marriage. We together do so much right here on our our station in our ministry, and it's great to be a part of it with you. I want to encourage you to encourage your pastor in this way. Encourage your first responder friend. Terry's right that it has been brutal 
and it's been for so many different reasons. You just, people feel like they've just been hit on on different sides. But you know what? The great thing is that these people that you're inviting, they have hung on. They are continuing to come in and and fight the good fight and fight the battle. And the reason they can keep doing it is is your encouragement. And so I want to encourage you to do that. And don't get too down and out about these studies about pastors moving around. I think that God is stirring in his church. I think that people are being moved around because God is doing something amazing, something that is maybe un, you know unexpected. I think that he is stirring each one of us in such a way that we're not going to be apathetic to the gospel, that we're not going to be complacent anymore. We saw how fast, for example, we should not lose sight of how fast we closed down our churches because of this pandemic. I mean, at the moment when that happened, you know, most most of us thought, okay, we can do that. Two weeks to flatten the curve. We can do that. We can go online. We did all kinds of things for quite a while. And you did have a thought, though, in the back of your mind immediately about how quick that happened. And you worry about that a bit. I think that we maybe have seen something that should remind us how much of a battle really is out there. And we should not take that for granted. So let's encourage each other. Let's, as Hebrews tells us, continue to gather together because the day, capital D day, judgment day, is approaching. And it's approaching fast. And what we're supposed to do is meet together and spur one another on to good deeds, to help each other grow, to edify each other. That's what we get to do together. And you know what? That makes ministry fun. That makes ministry an adventure. That makes ministry something that is not a drag. It makes it something where being a part of the church together, we get to do great things and we've got the the answer. We actually know where salvation comes from. We actually know why we're here. We know what the meaning of life is. We know how to move through and persevere all of these hard times. And we come from a family of believers who's been dealing with it for 2,000 years. And we will keep dealing with it because, as Jesus told us, the gates of hell will not prevail over his church. You're listening to Southern California Live, the Monday edition. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557, 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. You can also email the show at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. When we get back, we're going to talk about the... Uh, uh, Washington Correspondents' Dinner, and uh, ask the question, uh, are we able to laugh at ourselves? Can we do that? Join us there. Stay tuned. We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today on this fine Monday. I hope that you are having a great beginning to a brand new week. We're already in May. I saw a political cartoon that showed somebody saying, I can't believe how fast March flew by. And the next person says, well, we're already in May. And the person says, argh, that's how I feel. It's just April just flew by like it wasn't there. Here we are, March 2nd already. Good to be with you. Something that happened this weekend that hasn't happened for a couple of years, actually for a long time, uh, with the president attending this weekend was the White House Correspondents' Dinner. A lot of news about that today. I was thinking about it, and I'm wondering what you think about this. Do you think it's important for a leader a president or your pastor or your boss, somebody that you work with, do you think it's important for a person, maybe just yourself, whatever, wherever you find yourself, are you able to laugh at yourself? Are you able to do self-deprecating humor? Is there 
a place where it goes too far? Is there a place where it's appropriate and good? That's what a lot of these events were were meant to be. That's how they were meant to be. And, you know, it goes a little bit too far with some people. We've gotten to this place where we're kind of mean, um, where it it crosses a line at a certain place. Uh, I want to play a couple of clips from this event this weekend. I'm going to play the nice ones. I'm going to play the uh, the self-deprecating humor uh, from President Biden and from Trevor Noah, who was the host of it. They're usually what they usually do, and what this is is it's, it's a bunch of people in the media from all of the alphabet networks and Foxes there and the alphabet networks, ABC, you know, NBC, they all have letters. Um, and, you know, it's funny to me, it's White House correspondents, but there are hundreds of people in this room. So it's White House correspondents and anybody that uh, gets the invitation who they want to invite. It's an awful lot of people. And, you know, it used to be something that even presidents enjoyed going to, even though it kind of made fun of them. Uh, and they would get up and, and make fun of themselves. And that still happens a little bit. Um, but it got pretty mean when it, was, uh, when it was Donald Trump. Not from Donald Trump. He wasn't a part of it. He didn't do it. Uh, in 2011, in fact, Donald Trump denies this, by the way. But in 2011, Donald Trump was the brunt of a lot of jokes um, from President Obama and Seth Meyers, who was the host back then. And some people think that that's the day that Donald Trump decided to run for president because he was so frustrated by that. Now, he denies it. He says he had a good time. That might be true. But people who were at the table with him thought he was pretty upset and just sort of dead set on, oh, yeah, you want to say that? Well, let me tell you something. Personally, I think it ought to be, it ought to be fun. We, we ought to be able to make fun of ourselves and joke, but we shouldn't be mean or cruel. Somewhere there's got to be a line. Here's a couple of clips from this event that happened this weekend. This is Trevor Noah. Uh, who has just uh, thanked President Biden for being there, and then he made this comment. Go to clip one. Well, Republicans <laughs> seem to support one fellow, some guy named Brandon. He's having a really good year, and I'm kind of happy for him. All right, that wasn't quite the right one, but that one's kind of funny. That was President Biden making a little joke about the, the Brandon thing that's out there. Glad that he made a joke about that. Do you have the Trevor Noah one? You know, I think ever since you've come into office, things are really looking up. You know, gas is up, rent is up, food is up, everything. Now, see, I think that's pretty funny. You have to acknowledge that, that that's true. That is a big, serious political problem for the president is inflation. People call it Bidenflation. That's kind of funny, right? And um, you, I'm wondering how well he takes that, but he laughed at it. Now, some people are criticizing him today for laughing. Because those things are painful, the, the rising of prices on our gas and our food. We're all hurting from that, and some people are hurting a lot from that. And so that's another take on, on these things. But from a standpoint of a political dinner, this is highly political. There's a lot of tension and stuff there. But, you know, I thought that's a pretty funny joke. It's something he's going to have to deal with, right? When we get to the election this fall, that's going to be a lot of what people bring to the polls with them. Higher gas prices, higher food prices, higher everything prices. Have you gone to buy a burrito lately? Oh, my gosh. You have to uh, go into debt just because you decide you want uh, some uh, three-rolled tacos. Uh, Play clip number two, Trevor Noah. You know, last month he caused a huge international incident saying that Vladimir Putin should be removed from power. It was very, very upsetting to Russia. Yeah, until someone explained to them that none of the stuff Biden wants actually gets done. 
Now, see, that's pretty funny, too, because most of what Biden, he said, trouble getting his agenda done in his first year of office. Uh, the particular Build Back Better plan, which was a multi-trillion dollar plan uh, for whatever, which called for a whole lot of stuff, did make it. And um, so they, they joke about that. And there's lots of things he's tried to do, even with a, a barely Democratic Congress uh, that he hasn't been able to do. See, I feel like we as a nation need to get to a place where we can at least laugh at ourselves. Not everything they did at this um, meeting was particularly um, nice. In particular, the Donald Trump jokes. There's got to be great Donald Trump jokes, right? I thought when he became president, and, I, and I'm thinking about this in the last segment uh, Terry Fay was with us, the vice president and general manager of our station here, KKLA, and we're inviting you to come to the pastor's breakfast, and I'm going to be there. And he asked if I'd be doing any comedy there because I used to do that. And part of what I used to do in comedy was impersonations. And I, you have to really work at it, okay? It's not just something you, know, you can just sort of whip out and just do that all of a sudden. You have to – it's embarrassing, but you stand in front of the mirror, and you have to get the, the facial expressions, right? And you have to try to get the the nuance and you have to figure out, well, what's funny, not offensive, but something that is real enough for people to laugh. They won't laugh if it's not real, right? The best laugh I ever got was with Bill Clinton. I used to do all the presidents from Nixon all the way through. uh, uh, I started to do George W. Bush and then I got into uh, ministry so heavily that just I couldn't really do that. And I gave up the stuff. Uh, Clinton, I could just and sadly, I kind of look like him. I could bite my lip and paint my uh, my hair gray a little bit, and I could stand there and just bite my lip, and I would bite my lower lip at the microphone, and people would start to laugh, and I haven't even said anything yet. And they'd laugh, and the line was, uh, you people are already thinking something dirty, and I haven't even said anything yet. And that got a great laugh every time, because when, unfortunately, and this is true, when Bill Clinton is is brought up as comedy, uh, that's what you think about. You think about that side of Bill Clinton. I was in the White House a few years ago, and I was looking at all the portraits. And you know, people at the Bill Clinton portrait—they make jokes, and they're—they're not—they're not all nice. And that's the unfortunate consequence of what he did um, while he was there. But you know, you could laugh about that, and you could laugh about you know the different things. I used to do George H. W. Bush so often that I would just be doing him just wherever I you know I'd be doing George Bush while I wake up in the morning, you know. Gonna get some Cheerios for breakfast. Hope they're not stale. Hope the roommate closed the the bag. And I just I would just deal with that. I don't know if that's even funny now because I told you I have to work at it anyway. I thought when Donald Trump got elected, something that had been happening for a while is I noticed this from being in comedy. And if you talk to other comedians, um, they feel this. People don't find things funny because people just want to get offended today that people are looking for a reason to be offended or just be nasty and not funny. And I was hoping that that would end with Donald Trump. And I kind of look like Donald Trump too, unfortunately. I grew my hair out real long and I combed it over a little bit. And uh, I thought, you know what, I've got a big red tie and I'm going to put that on and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back into this because I thought, what a great opportunity. Can you believe we elected that guy who's the, the apprentice host? And there's so much comedy there, but nothing was funny. From the moment he was out there, it just we sort of lost the ability. And so the president, President Trump, stopped going to these dinners. I think they kept having them, but nobody cares if the president's not there. Um, So Biden being there, it was all right. And uh, he said some things that I don't think were that funny, but he had a couple of good lines. Uh, Let's play. uh, Let's see. 
do we have that? Maybe you, oh, I think I only gave you that one. All right, so I don't have the, the clips for the other ones. That's why we played that other one. But he had some pretty funny lines about about himself, and I thought that's that's pretty good. Do you feel like we've lost the ability to just laugh? Uh, how long is that clip there? Uh, you know what, go ahead and play the whole clip. We'll, we'll hear that. Here's Biden uh, this weekend at the White House uh, dinner. This is the first time the president attended this dinner in six years. It's understandable. We had a horrible plague, followed by two years of COVID. Everyone had to prove they were fully vaccinated and boosted. So if you're at home watching this and you're wondering how to do that, just contact your favorite Fox News reporter. They're all here, vaccinated and boosted. All of them. I'm not really here to roast the GOP. That's not my style. Besides, there's nothing I can say about the GOP that Kevin McCarthy hasn't already put on tape. But Republicans (laughs) seem to support one fellow, some guy named Brandon. He's having a really good year. And I'm kind of happy for him. All right. Those are just a few of his lines. It's all right. It's all right. I don't know if plague one's all that funny, but... Uh, you know, there's a controversy too about this. There's five or 600 people, I think in the room, no, none of them have masks on and that's okay, but you got to put the mask back on, on the plane, uh, where the air is filled, you know, filtered it's all those things. They just kind of get in there. Don't they? Um, I'm hoping that we can relax a little bit. I'm not sure that we can. I, I think that we are still on a bubble here where we get offended by so many different things that we can't laugh. And I think it's funny. I think God gave us a sense of humor. Do you believe that? I believe that. Um, I like to think that Jesus had jokes. He must have been kind of funny. They probably just don't translate well into any sort of modern language. So they, they're not in the Bible. Plus, you know, Matthew writing down the Sermon on the Mount. He was a tax collector. He probably wasn't funny. He probably didn't get the jokes. But uh, Jesus had to have a sense of humor. I think he had to be somebody who people were attracted to in that way. Uh, I don't know if Jesus had self-deprecating humor, but maybe, you know, I don't know how that works if you haven't sinned, um, but he probably had some carpentry jokes, maybe some jokes about uh, his dad working in the wood shop. There's got to be some funny lines. I think that's okay. My friends, can I encourage you to to go ahead and, and laugh? And in particular, it's okay to laugh at yourself. It's okay to do that. It breaks the tension. It gives people who are around you, especially if you find yourself in authority over people or you find yourself in a role where you're the boss or you're the most important person in the room for whatever reason, it is okay uh, to laugh and then try not to be offended. Don't be offensive. You know, there's lines that get crossed. But we need to be a people who laughs. There's too much going on uh, for us not to be able to enjoy a gift that we have from the Lord, and that is a sense of humor. We're made in his image. He's got to be funny. Uh, sometimes, and he he draws the perfect line. We can do that. We can do that as believers. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back, and you can give us a call here and join the conversation. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. This is the Monday edition of SoCal Live. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. SoCal Live. Scott Furrow with you today. It's Monday. 
May 2nd. Already May 2nd. Unbelievable. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join our conversation. 888-528-2557 is the number. Hey, today in the news, you probably heard that the Supreme Court, the Supremes, made a ruling in favor of religious liberty. And uh, I think it's important that it's nine to nothing because I don't think that this is really that complicated of a case. The Supreme Court ruled unanimously that it was unconstitutional for the city of Boston to deny a ceremonial city hall flag raising request from a Christian group when it had never turned down any other organization. That's the, that's the key there to this. Now, on the one hand, I am grateful that the Supremes, all of them, liberal, conservative, wherever they stand on that spectrum, all of them thought that this was a violation of the First Amendment, that this was not an issue of separation of church and state, and they ruled pretty clearly on this. In fact, the person who wrote the opinion uh, was Justice Stephen Breyer, who is liberal, who is leaving, of course, uh, at this summer, and uh, will be uh, replaced by Ketanji Brown-Jackson. And he wrote this majority opinion against a town he's actually from. He's from Boston. And he rejected the city's contention that flag raising was a form of government speech. So what happened is, is, is in Boston, in front of their city hall, there are three flagpoles right in front of Boston City Hall. One flagpole has the American flag. Another flagpole has the state flag of Massachusetts. The third one usually has a city flag hanging there, but the city started a program to allow people of who have different events going on or different nonprofits, different uh, backgrounds for different things, to fly their flag, if they happen to have one, on that other post and to do that to celebrate whatever might be going on. So you'll find this a lot in uh, cities, of course, today. You see the pride flag hanging up all the time whenever we get to that month there, and you see various flags related to that. That's pretty common. You've probably seen that. But other groups sometimes get a flag up there for different things, for diseases maybe that they are trying to raise money for or awareness uh, to try to cure for uh, different issues with poverty or kids or whatever the issue might be. Well, a Christian group came and decided, you know what, we're going to have an event, and they applied the normal way of applying with the city. And the city had approved, between 2005 and 2017, Boston City had approved 284 consecutive requests from every possible group until a group called Camp Constitution applied. And what they wanted to do was raise what's known as the Christian flag. Do you know what the Christian flag is? There's not really a biblical Christian flag, okay? And the Christian flag is is something that is uniquely American, post-Civil War kind of thing. It was, you might have it in your church. Lots of churches have this, and lots of Christian schools have the Christian flag. It's If you're regularly in church, you've probably seen it, or you see it every week, maybe. And what it is, is it's a flag that, in its shape, is a in a way like the American flag, but instead of um, red stripes and white stripes. It has just a big white field in that area. And then it has a purple box where the stars would be in the American flag, if you picture it that way, with a big red cross in the middle. And it's known as the Christian flag, okay? And it was it was created shortly after the Civil War because a lot of churches met in uh, schools and different, um, like, Elks Lodge halls and, and places that there was an American flag hanging in there, and people said, well, should we have a Christian flag? And they decided yes. 
And then they didn't know where to put it. Do you put it on this side of the American flag? And then you deal with flag code, and it gets a little messy. But uh, that was invented for that purpose to try to, you know, people felt like if there's only an American flag at our church, then people might think we're worshiping America. So let's put this flag in. And uh, that's where that comes from. There's a history of that. And maybe you've seen that. Anyway, this group wanted to raise the Christian flag there, and the city said no. And it was the first time in all these years from 2005 to 2017 that any flag of any kind was refused by the city. And they turned it down on the grounds that it would appear that the city was endorsing one religion over another. The lower courts said that the city had that prerogative. And I think that's something for us to think about. I think we worry maybe more than what is actually an evidence about our religious freedoms being taken away sometimes, although I think we have a legitimate concern. And when I talk about it in in some sense here, I think as Christians we need to make sure that we truly, truly believe in our hearts that nothing's going to stop the church. All right, so if Christianity is suddenly illegal, fine. Um, I saw a bumper sticker one time that said, you know, make Christianity illegal, we need a revival. And that's probably right. You know, that's, that's not bad. Around the world, you know where the church is growing the fastest? It's in countries where it's illegal to have a church. And that says something, right? It says something about maybe we have a hard time with our priorities and maybe we are uh, complacent with our freedoms and stuff. So there's there's one side of this kind of discussion that I think as believers we need to be not afraid of losing our freedoms because nothing is going to stop the church. This is Jesus' church. It is his, and you know maybe some of the losses that we might have it might actually benefit the mission of God, just in the sense that it wakes us up. In the meantime, I think we should also be awakened to the fact that this is going on. And that, yes, the Supreme Court, even the liberals, all of them, supported religious freedom. And I think from a political sense, religious freedom matters a lot. If you understand history, the reason why people uh, have come to this country, the reason why many people still come to this country from other places, a big one is religious freedom. The idea that government does not tell you what to believe religiously. The idea that, which is just a profound part of the founding of our country, that the government doesn't determine your faith, that, uh, you know, we added the words under God to our Pledge of Allegiance years ago in the 50s. I think we added under God, but under God was a statement that had been made for a long time. You can find it in old speeches. It's in some of Lincoln's comments, and it's the, the expression that we're under God is that God is above government, that it is something that was unique to our country where the government or the king or however the country is ruled isn't determining for you what faith you're going to have. And that's still a great thing. And so religious liberty is is so critical to our country as far as how we're founded, the hope that we offer the world. And because of religious liberty, the church has been able to thrive. I think that God has leveraged our country in such a way that we have provided missionaries and support to the whole world, that one of the reasons that we have been able to take the gospel out to the whole world is because we've had freedom of religion here to do that. Where when the government is sort of clamping down on it and stuff, that gets much more difficult, okay? Um, So religious liberty issues matter a lot for the health of our country, and that's why you even find your liberal justices on the same page. Uh, Most of them are 
are Catholic or Jewish. I think all of the justices are Catholic or Jewish. Um, and then Katanji Brown Jackson will be the first uh, or the only actual Protestant, I think, as far as her background goes on there. So everybody's kind of got some church background. Now, I don't know if they actually go to church. I don't know that they have, you know, I have no idea where they really stand on things. But we are still in a country where the majority of people, I think, have some connection to church, even if they, they don't really go, which does not mean they are saved. But there's some notion of this. Anyway, it's there. And we should be encouraged that the Supremes found the way they did. But we should also be aware that the only reason it got to the Supreme Court is because the lower courts courts ruled against the Christian group. The lower courts decided that actually the Christian flag can be blocked while all of the other groups are allowed to be up there, essentially. And that is something I think that we should be aware of. That should lift our, our eyebrows up to say, why are the lower courts not as clear on this concept as the highest court in the land? Like, have you thought about that? Like, why is it? Why is it that the lower courts deal with that? Jesus told us that in Matthew ten twenty two, you will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Now, that's not a comment about standing firm for your country's values. It's about standing firm on the gospel, okay? But the idea that you'll be hated, you know, it's interesting to me that it's the Christian group that got separated out. I would wonder, certainly some of those other groups have uh, some religious backing behind them. Why did the Christian group get flagged in this way? Well, the court said that the reason for this decision, and this is also important, whenever we talk about the Supreme Court, and next month when lots of decisions start coming out, including some big ones, we're going to have to really dissect them a bit to understand. The courts are always dealing with a principal legal question, not necessarily the the question of values that are in front of them, but the legal question. The legal question was, does this flag that they are allowing to be in front of the courthouse, does it represent government speech or is it private speech? And the city of Boston was saying, well, no, it's government speech. But what the court found is that that isn't true. It's private speech. You guys never voted on these issues. You never said these flags going up there represent the opinion of the state or the city. You just invited people to come up and fill out an application. And if they did that, they would get their flag raised for a day or a few hours or whatever it was. And you never said this is government speech. So this court decided that what Boston is doing is private speech and therefore the flag is allowed to be raised. Now they can go change the rule. They can just vote on everything and make it government speech. And that's probably what they will do. Anyway, that's the story. And if you find yourself talking about that today, you know, be aware. Be glad that the Supremes found that way. It matters a lot for lots of different things in our faith. But also be aware that the lower courts didn't. And that tends to be the way it's working out. This is why voting matters. This is why local elections matter a lot, maybe more than national elections in some respect. All right, we are going to close out this hour here. And when we come back, we'll be... Uh, talking about student loans. Do you have student loans? Do you think the government should pay them off? Are you willing to pay off the student loans of other people who are suffering because they have student loans? You'll be able to join that conversation, 888-528-2557. 888-LA-TALKS is the number. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. You can also email the show at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. And I want to invite you to go to KKLA.com and check out the Pastors Appreciation Breakfast Sign up for that at kprz.com in San Diego as well. We'll be right back in just a moment. Don't go away. 
Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.